and welcome to Holistically Hope with Rachel Pontillo. I'm Rachel Pontillo, and today I have a very special guest for you, Dr. Jolene Brighton, the author of the book Healing Your Body Naturally After Childbirth, is with us today, and we are going to talk about what doesn't get talked about enough, in my opinion, which is the fourth trimester. We all know about three trimesters of pregnancy and, of course, planning for pregnancy, but we're going to talk today about what happens after that baby is born to your body, to your mind, to your skin, and what you can do about it. Hi, Dr. Brighton. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to chat today. I am too, and I'm really excited to talk about your book and learn more about the fourth trimester, because I feel like there's a lot of attention that goes into before your pregnancy, planning your pregnancy and all that stuff. And then of course the pregnancy itself, mm -hmm. but then it's like you have the baby and then all, everything is just hunky dory. And I think uh, you and I as moms both know that that's not always the case. So I would love to know more about, um, you know, the tri the fourth trimester and how women can kind of cope during that time with self-care. Yeah, I think you brought up a really uh, a really common theme in every mother's life, which is we prepare preconception. Most of us do. Some of us have surprises. Um, and then we really take care of ourselves in pregnancy, but then nobody plans for postpartum. And I think that just as much effort and just as much attention should be paid to postpartum planning as you do for your birth itself. And if you think about it, you know, women are they're birthing anywhere. Maybe a birth might be six hours. Maybe it might be, if you're like me, 24. I've had patients that it's, you know, 72 hours of labor that in the grand scheme of things is, is kind of, it's a short period of time that you've planned for. And you've tried to plan for something that really, I, I say all bets are off in birth. Like mm -hmm. you don't, you can make all the best plans, but I think that um, birth actually teaches us a lot. And one of the things it teaches us is that you can make all your plans in life, but plan on doing none of them because life is going to happen and you have to be flexible and you have to adapt. But the fourth trimester, as I see it, is the first three months following the birth of baby. So if we compare that to, you know, a labor that might be 24 hours versus three months you need to be healing and recovering, there's a lot of preparation and planning that can be done and a lot of attention that can be spent there. And so that's what my book really focuses on is it's called Healing Your Body Naturally After Childbirth. And it's doing just that, giving you all the tools that you need to not only heal yourself from just childbirth, but to deal with some of the things that come up as being a new mom, things that not a lot of people are talking about, like getting clogged ducts or, you know, having difficulty breastfeeding and, and even issues with like constipation, which is furthest thing from your mind when you're thinking about bringing a baby into this world. But a lot of these things can present themselves as challenges. And I truly wrote the book that I wanted I wanted to have when my mm. son was born. And so everything that I learned and I took to really recover my body, I put into this book. And then things that I've also used with my patients. So when you get this book, it's it's basically like having a session with me in which, you know, any of my patients that I'm following through pregnancy, around 38 weeks they meet in my office and we we put together their postpartum plan which is of course a lot more individualized when you're my patient and I know your whole history, but a lot of the same stuff that we're using is in this book. And so I literally can just give it to patients now saying, hey, baby's coming, 
here's the things that you're going to want to read up on. That's great. And I mean, I know that pregnancy, we all hear how it changes us. I mean, everything about pregnancy and childbirth changes everything about us. I mean, I always tell people, I, I, I have a lot of my coaching clients who are pregnant or planning a pregnancy and they are like, oh yeah, my life's going to change. And I said, okay, but what you understand from of change now versus how it actually is going to be, it's not even something that you can understand yet. You can't quite grasp it until you experience it. So the way I describe it is basically everything you know now ends and it's a new beginning and it's not a bad thing. Ending to me, I never see it as a negative. It's just, it is what it is. It's an end of one way of life and a beginning of a whole new one. The lifestyle change, the physical change, but what goes on in the body, you don't only give birth to a new body, but you have a new body after the pregnancy. Yeah. And I don't think that's something that a lot of women are prepared for because I know I certainly wasn't. I heard every horror story from, you know, several people who had these birth experiences, but nobody talks about afterwards. And I even yelled at my mother. I'm like, why didn't you tell me? She's like, I didn't want to scare you too much. And I, I'm like, oh my God. But I know for me, after my second pregnancy, that's when I gained weight. That's when I first developed some conditions. I had hypothyroidism. I know that was part of your story as well. Mm -hmm. And um, I had skin conditions between pregnancies that I hadn't had before, different types of acne. And we'll talk more about skin in a little while. But how, what can you say about this new body that happens after a pregnancy? Yeah, I, I love um, everything that you just said, because I talk about this in my book about, you know, birth, the birth of your child is also the birth of you as a mother. In a lot of ways, it does signal the death of the person that you once knew, which is a hard thing to come to terms with. And I think I was about six weeks postpartum that I had that revelation. And when I could really accept that this person who I was, I'm no longer that person. Now it's time for me to reinvent myself. And that's really the perspective I encourage women to take is what other opportunity do you have to redefine yourself, to really have this life-changing event to redefine yourself? So there's redefining how you're going to mother and who you are in this world, but your body did just go through a really radical change, which is also an opportunity to kind of reshape and, and retrain your body. So our ribs expanded, our hips expanded, but everything's coming back in. This is actually an opportunity to really nourish your body and to really slow down because that that's demanded of, of uh, mothers, even though it doesn't feel like, you know, most mothers, if you, if you look out, like they're going very slow. But in those early weeks following birth, your body slows down. Hmm. Baby is, you know, you're just basically in a cocoon together, just <laughs> staying warm and cuddling. But it's an opportunity to really heal up your body and to take care of yourself. And, you know, following that, um, you, know, you can get into physical training or um, uh, physical therapy is what I'm trying to say um, to really work with musculoskeletal imbalances that may have taken place. You still have a little bit of ligament laxity. So um, relaxin, which is the hormone that's up in pregnancy that makes us like Gumby as pregnant women, um, that's still floating around. So you can, you can get chiropractic care and maybe you had these joints that were always out of place. And now you, you can actually get it moved back in and then get the musculoskeletal support to like reinforce that. So, you know, there, even though it feels 
it can feel like a really negative thing. It's also really important. I, I like to convey to my patients that, you know, motherhood is, it's a, it's a club. It's a very exclusive club that you're a part of. And there's only one way you get in and that's by mothering a, a child. Um, and that's not to speak, you know, I know there's women who have infertility. I certainly don't want to be, um, I don't, I don't want them to, this to come across as I'm not being sympathetic to that. So I just want to honor that. But it's something that, you know, when you do go through childbirth, I call it like a gang initiation. I mean, you're not going to sleep. Your body just got rocked. Um, breastfeeding, yes, it does hurt. That doesn't mean you're doing it wrong. It just means your nipples need time to get used to that. And there's a lot of things that are really harsh um, in the beginning, but it's, it's like your gang initiation, like you're in the club. <laughs> it's traumatic. It's physically and emotionally traumatic. I mean, sleep deprivation and not being able to eat when you normally are able to eat. And all the fact that even though some mothers are surrounded by family, they end up feeling as isolated as if they were not. Yeah. It, it is something that is very traumatic and very physically and emotionally stressful. And I know that a lot of new moms look at themselves in the mirror when their body is still kind of morphing back to what they might recognize as normal. And they say, Oh, you know, why is that brown line still on my stomach? Why, <laughs> yeah, why is I my skin? About that. Right. <laughs> and you know, what are these stretch marks going to be saggy always, or are they going to at least be flat? I mean, what is all of this? And then even after you lose some of the weight, you still might find that your hips didn't go all the way back and you're still a different size, even if your weight is the same. Yeah. So rather than looking in the mirror and hating oneself and feeling miserable, like whose body is this and where, where did I go? I love what you said about using it as a time to rebuild and remodel and re regenerate, reshape. It, it is really, truly a new beginning and, yeah. uh, and it's a perfect opportunity to practice self-love. Mm -hmm. And it's hard. Um, you know, I, I grew up with a mother who had body image issues. I was a group fitness instructor um, all the way through college, which you're always on stage in front of everyone looking at how fit you are and what your body looks like. And people, I mean, through my 20s, people would make a lot of comments about my body. And so, you know, I say this because I'm, I try to be really open that I still struggle with body image issues. And it's something that all, I think most women do. Um, so it's really hard when you go, when you have that new body. I, I actually love the postpartum belly. I love it more than a pregnant belly. Like that little pooch that happens, like when the uterus is still big and boggy. I just, I think it's the cutest thing ever. Um, my patients always think I'm strange for saying that, but I'm like, I think it's just so cute. And it's so like, you earned that. Like, that's so amazing what your body has been able to do. And really, I think like the birth of my son and going through that, really, I had to get really comfortable with my body and the way it looked. And I went back to teaching group fitness, um, you know, after I was cleared um, past my six week postpartum check and people made really mean comments to me. And it was, there was like this mama bear in me that came up because people were like, oh, I can tell you just had a baby. Like it looks like you had a baby. And it's like, and I would say, yeah, of course it does, because I did have a baby, mm -hmm. and this is my body, and this is who I am. Um, and there was something about that challenge in early postpartum that really helped me. It's not always that way. Um, 
I think for women, we get really sensitive. And you're, so here's, let's be fair. You lose your placenta, and the moment your placenta is burped, your hormones go about to the same level as a postmenopausal woman. Wow. But instead of you having years of perimenopause getting there, it was like this overnight. You just went through the most, uh, I mean, arguably, I think that it is the most intense athletic event of a woman's body in her lifetime to have a child. Um, and then you're flooded with like so much oxytocin and all these endorphins. And it's a lot. So, you know, if a woman in the early period, and I can remember crying. And uh, if you're feeling like you're crying and you're super sensitive and, um, you know, things people are saying are affecting you, you really, you have to, you have to take your space from them and you need to cut them out because you are vulnerable right now. You just stepped up to birth's door and made a commitment to bring a human into this world, no matter what it took. And you did that and it, and you delivered, but it's still a very, very open and vulnerable time, which is why, you know, historically we mothered in tribes and the mother was Mm -hmm. like kept in a hut and kept warm and fed warm foods and, and taken care of and overseen and by other women. Yes. And people were very gentle with them. And it's not what we get in our modern society. I mean, you and I are moms. We totally, you know, and we're working moms. Mm-hmm. It's something, majority of the time, it's you get a six-week checkup. That's all your doctor cares about you anymore. That's all anyone cares mm-hmm. about. It's can we get you to a six-week checkup? You're fine. Great. Go on your way. You can have sex. You can exercise. And you get to go back to work. Because at six weeks, that's about how long it takes for the uterus to shrink, which, you know, some some higher up decided that meant that a woman could go right back into work um, at that period of time, which is completely ludicrous. And I say this as a woman who did return to work at at six weeks postpartum. And I tell all my patients that was really one of the like stupidest things. I'm going to just be frank. It was stupid for me to do that. But I want people to learn from my mistakes. And Mm -hmm. I want people to know I did that. I was completely exhausted. I was stressed out. I was losing my mind at times because I was trying to be the same doctor that I was and be a mother and heal my body and do all of that. And I I had a breaking point. It took me two weeks of that to say, I am not being good to my body. I am not. And I I still had pressure at work and pressure from patients to to come in and to see them. And I treat a lot of moms. So a very sweet spot for them. Um, But it was something that I had. It was hard. But I had to say no, and I had to practice a lot of no, and thank goodness for that because as women, we don't practice enough no. As moms, we certainly don't practice Absolutely. enough no. You're Except, sorry. you know, I, I have a three-year-old right now, so. <laughs> it's kind of easier with a three-year-old to say no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, you know, in terms of, like, something I tell women in the fourth trimester. So I have a, a fourth trimester birth plan that I give to all my patients, and I um, and it's available online as well um, that that you can pick up um, and you can go to healingafterchildbirth.com and you can grab it there. But it's something that I want people to plan for. I want women to know you can plan for it and you can change your mind at any point. Mm-hmm. But to have stuff on there that hey, if I'm crying, I want you to give me a hug or leave me alone or call my counselor. And to have these kind of protocols that you've already communicated before you're in the thick of it. Um, And the other thing too that I I don't put it on there per se, but I have this conversation with my patients. If anyone's not making you feel good, if people are not filling you up, but instead they're depleting you, you feel drained when they come in, you need to take a break from them. That doesn't mean they need to be gone forever, but you energetically are in a very vulnerable space and your body is very vulnerable. 
And that very primal essence of you understands that you are vulnerable. So if somebody's coming in and they're causing stress, understand that your brain, your brain has, we have not developed enough to, to really deal with how we live in our modern society. Our bodies are just not there. Your brain doesn't know if you're stressed from that person being there. I mean, is that that person or, you know, even if you're skipping meals or you're not getting enough sleep because of, you know, stress, not just from like night wakings with feedings, but your brain can't understand this. This is just because this person's here and this is going to go away. Your brain says we're under threat. We need to panic. You're going to spike stress hormones. It's going to throw your other hormones out of whack. And then that is that's that person. Every time they come in, it's going to it's going to reinforce those neuronal pathways that you get triggered. You get triggered. So it's actually better for your relationship to just separate and take a little break from them to where you'll be able to come back to that. And when you're feeling at at your strongest, you can come back to that relationship and you can reevaluate: Does this relationship work, or is there a better way we can be communicating? It is not your job to be fixing relationships and trying to work on all of that when you're trying to heal your body. And you know, all of that stress, uh, you know, because we're on here to talk about skin, that's going to age you rapidly. Right. Um, so I shared before we got on this call that my husband and I were on a moonlit snowshoeing trip last night, yes. which was great. Awesome. And we were in the lodge, and I heard this girl say, um, I say she's a girl. She's probably in her 20s. <laughs> and she says, Yeah, I was talking to this woman who was probably in her early 40s, and she told me, when you have a child in that first year of life, if you don't take care of yourself, you're going to age about 10 years. Wow. And my husband and I are overhearing this conversation, and I'm like, that is so rad that someone told her that. And and she says, you know, and I was just like really offended. It was like, that's mean. Why would you ever tell someone that? And I wanted to turn and say, that person is your greatest ally Mm -hmm. and friend. We all need to be a whole lot more honest about these kinds of things and not just say like, hey, you're going to have a baby and it's everything's going to be great. It's not going to be great. It's going to be work. It's going to be hard. It's going to be a lot of finding your rhythm, losing your rhythm, finding your rhythm, losing your rhythm. Um, But it's going to teach you so much about yourself. There's so many lessons I've been gifted as a mother that we'd never have the opportunity to have had otherwise. So um, for people who are listening, and you're thinking maybe Rachel and I are freaking you out a little bit. We're just trying to keep it real. Um, and also, you know, there's so much good that comes out of this as well. But we need we need to be able to breach these conversations about what's not good so that we can strategize. And so that the more you're informed, the more you can plan and have tools to be able to deal with some of these life stressors and these events that take place. It's so true. I mean, we are not here to scare anyone, but there is no benefit in sugarcoating. And I know your goal with your patients and your audience and my goal always with my clients and students and audience is for them to come out of their experience with us feeling more empowered, feeling like they have more control over their health, over their skin, over their lives. And knowledge and the truth is the first step for that to happen. So you know, motherhood is to me the greatest gift that I've been allowed to have in this life because I know that not everybody who wants to do that gets to do it. So I am grateful and blessed for it every day, even the hard times. I mean, my older daughter is in her tween years. I'm even grateful now for the foot stomps, the hand on the hip and the eye roll and the door slams. (laughs) I'm grateful for it because not everybody gets to have it. And the stretch marks, you know, I, I go with the Pinterest ladies, tiger stripes. I'll go with the yeah, tiger stripes yeah. because that's a little cooler. <laughs> but 
I, I don't, you know, people ask me a lot, how do I get rid of my stretch marks? Why? They, they tell a story. For me, they tell two stories. They tell the story that I made two humans. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I brought them into this world healthy. And they also say that, you know what? I gained a lot of weight and then I lost a lot of weight and I did that work. Yeah, Th- yeah. That's my story. And nobody can take that away from me. And I don't want to take those stretch marks away. And, um, you know, that, that's certainly a skin issue that comes up with the weight gain just from the stretching that happens during pregnancy. And that's something that when you're returning back to normal, there are certain skincare things that you can do. And I know you've got some great DIY recipes in your book, which I loved reading. Those were fantastic, but also hormonal acne related to the fluctuations during and after pregnancy, as well as melasma is something that I know can really wreak havoc on a lot of women's confidence. What can you say about that? Yeah, I never had acne so bad as um, in that first year postpartum. And a lot of mine had to do with what was going on with my adrenals and my thyroid. Um, our, so our sex hormones always get blamed for acne. Um, but really, your sex hormones, they're just like, the, they're just so go with the flow. Um, and they're really dictated and governed by everything else in the body. So adrenal health, which I always joke that my son just came out like, like my adrenal glands were a punching bag. And that's what babies do. <laughs> They're super hard on your adrenals because being a mom stressful, getting regular meals is difficult and um, sleep is an issue as well. And so um, what you can do as a new mom to really take care of your adrenal glands. Um, so firstly, the, the night wakings, you've got to feed baby. Baby's liver is not developed. So as much as you want to sleep, baby is not set up in a way yet to have prolonged blood sugar regulation. So you're going to have to get up in the middle of the night covering a lamp with a scarf or wearing a red headlamp, something that makes it so you're not exposed to light, allows your melatonin to stay up and your cortisol to stay down, which is what you want in, the, in, the, in those night hours. Cortisol is a pro-aging hormone, so we want to do what we can to combat that. Guess what? Cuddling your baby raises oxytocin, that skin-to-skin. Um, and there was even a study that showed five hours of skin-to-skin daily in that first week has profound effects on mom's mood. Well, oh, if we that. can, yeah, if we can affect your mood by raising your oxytocin and decreasing your inflammation, that's gonna that's gonna have a profound effect on your skin as well. So that's one aspect. Getting regular meals, so eating protein and fat with every meal is very, very important, especially if you're breastfeeding because your caloric demands are going to go up. Mm -hmm. Your adrenal glands love everything a baby's never going to give you, which is consistency and low stress. So you have to find ways to bring that into your life. So the regular meals, if you can get some time to yourself to set the day and set the intention for the day, I think that's fantastic as a way to just kick off the day. Utilizing things like um, deep breathing skills. Meditation is something where I don't get too much on like, let's try to meditate daily with a new baby. When the baby's screaming, yeah, not quite. You're going to get stressed out. But I do have these practices that I call the one minute to mindfulness. One thing that I have my patients do is they sit down to have a meal. Meal time is once your baby starts eating will become one of the most stressful times. Um, There's going to be a period of your life where it's really stressful. So Starting this early is really helpful where you sit down, you feel your feet rooted in the earth, and you just take in the sense of the food and then really take the time to chew. Even if only the first three, three bites, you can get take the time to chew. It's one practice of mindfulness that's going to nourish your body 
it's going to help your gut digest and it's definitely going to help with stress levels. And, you know, when we're talking about, you know, what we can do to help the gut, it's very important to also pay attention to your gut health when you're having acne and hormonal um, issues. The gut is how we move estrogen out of our body. So estrogen and testosterone are usually our main players with um, hormonal acne. So if you want to get the estrogen out, you have to have a good digestive tract. The other thing is that if you have inflammation in the body, that's going to make your um, adrenal glands go crazy. They want to control inflammation. They're super awesome like that, um, except <laughs> for the pro-aging part. I know, right? And so you've got to look at your gut. Eight, about 70 to 80% of your immune systems in your gut, majority of inflammation that we find in the body is coming from the gut. So if we have imbalances in our gut flora, maybe too much yeast or too little good bacteria um, or bacteria in the wrong place like small intestinal bacterial overgrowth or SIBO, that can be the case. But starting to incorporate things in the diet that facilitate healthy digestion. So um, two tablespoons of fresh ground flax seeds every day, fantastic for your digestion, provides fiber to help you remove your estrogen and it helps with hormonal balance. It's got to be fresh ground flax seeds though because the flax oil is easily oxidized and we don't want rancid oil ever. Um, and then the other thing is eating things like sauerkraut. I don't recommend kimchi in the beginning just because it's spicy and (laughs) promote inflammation with the excess heat. Yeah. Yeah. And exactly. And that's the thing to look at too, is that, you know, I think that's where you get into like constitutional stuff. Mm -hmm. Cause like ginger can be really great, but if you're someone who's already hot, maybe not so much ginger, usually postpartum is a very cool period for Mm -hmm. women. So ginger does well to help with digestion. Um, but incorporating things that are like fermented foods, foods that are high in fiber, um, you want, you don't want to be going heavy with things like psyllium husk. I think having a couple of teaspoons mixed with lots of fluids is okay because it feeds the gut fiber or gut bacteria with all that fiber, but too much. And you're going to have an issue with constipation, which once you've passed a small human through a very small space, you don't want anything else causing pressure in, in that area. You know, so that's some of the things that we look at. Now, you mentioned melasma, and melasma, you get like two camps, people that are like, I have, we have no idea what causes melasma, and then there's the other where it's like, well, we actually observe melasma comes up with issues of folate metabolism, and we're utilizing lots of folate, and I don't know, um, you know, people listening, you can't see, I doubt you can see it, I have like a little bit of melasma, like just the tiniest bit, which came in in the last uh, trimester, and It's something, like, I don't mind it so much. I was spending a whole lot of time out in the sun, too. (laughs) I grow my own food, and so I was literally, like, out in the garden. Um, I was probably about um, eight months pregnant when my neighbors got on my husband of, why are you letting her run the weed eater? And my husband's like, you don't understand. She needs this. This helps with her stress. Like, she really likes doing yard work. Um, but yeah, so something is that if you have an MTHFR defect, which is a a gene that basically, you know, helps with the folate metabolism, um, that can be one issue while you'll see melasma come up. But something else that I see is that, uh, women will be taking lots of folate, but they're not getting B12 and they're not getting magnesium and they're not getting some of these other cofactors that actually help with folate metabolism. Mm. So notice I'm saying folate and not folic acid. I was going to ask you about that. I was going to ask you because I know a lot of the prenatal vitamins still are giving folic acid and not folate. Do you feel that if people have too much folic acid instead of folate, that that could also be a contributor? 
That definitely can be a contributor, especially if you have an MTHFR defect. Mm. Giving somebody with, um, you know, that has one of these single nucleotide polymorphism, they're called SNPs, mutations, um, you give them folic acid and it's like taking a wrench and just throwing it right into the gears and it, it can stop everything. Wow. So what's really important for people to understand though is the best thing that you can absolutely do if you have an MTHFR defect is eat lots of leafy green vegetables, high quality protein, and eliminate all toxins from your home and as much in your environment as possible. And a lot of people get hung up on like, I have this gene, therefore I have to take all of this folate and do all these things. Not necessarily. If you don't have symptoms, if there's not, you know, you're not having issues, it can be really rooted in having a really healthy gut and a really strong diet and then being very mindful about what you're putting on your skin and what you're putting into your body. Um, but th- I mean, that's, and when we look at, you know, folate and melasma and skin health, eating all of those very carotenoid rich vegetables, so even things like kale, people think carotenoids like, orange vegetables, so they think carrots, and it's actually in these dark leafy green vegetables. And there was a study that showed that you eat, the more servings of vegetables you eat, the more people perceived your skin as beautiful because those pigments were actually in your skin, which I thought was an amazing, amazing thing to see that our perception of somebody who's eating more vegetables is actually that they're more beautiful. And they, you know, again, they said, oh, it's because of the carotenoids. But I would also argue your detox pathways are upregulated, your gut is healthier. I mean, there's so many other things and you're feeding your skin. Yes. Um, yeah, but I, I'm talking a lot. I should let you chime in. <laughs> no, I, I think it's all it's fantastic. And I love what you just said about people being perceived as more beautiful with more vegetables. Because I know for me personally, when I first switched to a healthier diet to, you know, I, I did it I did it with the intention of losing baby weight and as a happy side effect, my skin cleared up. And then a lot of my clients it's do fantastic it. Fantastic when it works right? that way. A lot of my clients do it to clear up their skin and then they find they lose weight and that's their happy side effect. Whatever comes first, as long as you get more vegetables, that's the ultimate goal. But I remember looking at my own pictures and when I was less healthy and less balanced with my diet, my skin just looked pasty and pallid and sallow. And there are times when I get out of the shower, I I often ask people, ask my clients, you know, when do you feel your most beautiful? When do you feel your most confident when you look in the mirror? And for me, it's right after I get out of the shower at night, after I do my nighttime skincare ritual, I look in the mirror and I'm like, Hey, but (laughs) I, and another thing that I do with my clients is I ask them to give their skin tone, like a Crayola crayon color or not necessarily Crayola crayon, but I ask them to give it a beautiful name that makes them feel confident and for me, I always, at, at that time of day, when I look at my skin, I think I just look golden. Yeah. And it before I started eating vegetables and drinking smoothies and having fermented foods and all these wonderful things that we're talking about, I could not say that. I would say that my skin back then would be corpse-like or chalky. And of course, of course those are negative self-talk issues that I had to work out which I did, but yeah, but there also is, is, you know, acknowledging like when I look in the mirror and I see new wrinkles and I'm like, wow, I have new wrinkles. There's more wrinkles on my face, but I always have to remind myself. Yeah. That's because you have emotions. Like that's because you've enjoyed a lot of life. Um, 
So it's a, I love that though. I think everyone listening should do that, should go and look in the mirror. I'm like, wow, what, what do I want to call, like, what do I want to name my skin? Name your I, skin, yeah. I love that. I think that's a great tool. Um, it's just one of the ways that, you know, again, we can just be, look at ourselves in the mirror and the more you can say, I love you, um, I think the more profound your health can be. When, um, so I'm a certified yoga instructor and I remember when I was in yoga training, my instructor talking about how the moment you love your body the way it is, is when your body will find its balance Mm -hmm. and how people will come to yoga for weight loss or, you know, for these certain things that they will never have because that they're so focused on that. They have these blinders and they're, and they're so hyper-focused on it that they can't see how much, how much more there is. And, you know, it's something that when I, when I taught yoga, I would slow things down and really ask people to pay attention to the space in between of not not being in this pose and then the next pose, but really where the magic is, is in the in-between. Mm. And I think that that loving your skin and, and projecting this self-love is it's, it's so vital. Like you have to have that mind-body piece to be able to get to that level. And if you're only focused on, I just want to have healthy skin, you're missing out on all the yummy, amazing things that are taking place in your body at the same time. Uh, again, totally, I'm totally guilty of this too, but we I'm going to, I'm going to get going to name my skin and do I'm it. Yes. yes. <laughs> I can't wait to hear your color. <laughs> I kind of like luminescent or something. Oh, I love that word. I, love I want to be a word. firefly. <laughs> yes, I love it. That's awesome. Well, Dr. Brighton, I am so grateful that you shared all this fantastic information with us today. Tell us where we can find more from you. Where is your book available online in stores? Where can people get your book? Where can they learn more from you? Yeah, so the book Healing Your Body Naturally After Childbirth, The New Mom's Guide to Navigating the Fourth Trimester is on Amazon now. So you can grab it there. Um, there's tons in there. Like we talked about their skincare stuff. There's a lot about adrenal health, thyroid health, and making sure that you're at your best as a mom. Lots of tools to give you lots of energy, even though you're not sleeping. Um, And then I do consult with patients. I have a physical practice in Oakland, California. I do consult virtually as well with clients. So you can find me online. It's drbrighton.com, and it's Dr. Brighton with an E. So D-R-B-R-I-G-H-T-E-N.com. Maybe that should be my word is Brighton, (laughs) since it's my name. You know, that's a fabulous color, too. I love that. that. Um, and then you can also check me out on Facebook or Instagram. Those are the main places where I hang out. And, uh, I always like to let people know my blog posts and the things, the content that I create and I put out into the world, it comes from what people ask me and how people let me know how I can serve them. So jump on my Facebook and feel free to ask me anything. If I can't answer it there, you'll have a blog post coming to you shortly. That's usually what happens. Well, thanks for having me today. Thank you. I want to give a huge thank you to Dr. Jolene Brighton for joining us on the show today and talking about such an important topic for women, for moms, the fourth trimester. It doesn't get talked about enough. We need to start having these conversations and giving women more support and more empowerment so that they can navigate these transitional times of life with more joy and confidence. For more fantastic information from Dr. Jolene Brighton, make sure you head on over to Amazon.com and pick up her book, Healing Your Body Naturally from Childbirth. 
And also head on over to her website, Dr. Brighton, D-R-B-R-I-G-H-T-E-N.com. Thank you so much for watching. And if you enjoyed this today, be sure to subscribe to my channel, share it with your friends, and come on over to holisticallyhote.com and leave me a comment. I will see you soon.